doesn't get you anywhere. You saw that a little bit this, this morning. I was really surprised to see the Shauna books go for quite such a frenzy. That was exciting to see. I'm glad to see that we have such a reading congregation. Way to go, you kids. You know that if you're sitting in neutral and you see something at the stage, if Michael's throwing out gifts, you got to go after it because it's just not going to happen. You got to go after it. Whether it's antifreeze, sorry, Robert Toma, or whether it's a pie, you've got to go after it. Well, no one knows that principle more than the Bradshaws. It's become kind of a tradition for me during the Christmas season to share with you some of how we got our Christmas photos. But, uh, but this year, uh, we didn't get a Christmas photo. We actually have two photo-taking traditions in our house. One is a traditional Colonial Williamsburg picture in the fall. The other is Christmas. But we just, because of this year's experience at Colonial Williamsburg, didn't have enough left to make the Christmas photo happen. Here's some great pictures, though. I know I say they're great because they're of my family, and I think they're great. This is my daughter, Zoe. She's very excited. Yay, she's saying, because Dad's going to give us some candy apples. This is more of a headlock, but uh, when you say smile, and parents, we're good, aren't we, at getting your kids to mug to the camera. You know, you've got your tricks, you're snapping, you're doing all kinds of things. You have no idea what was happening behind this camera to get a smile. Then we have another picture here. Um, this is good. I just kind of snuck in the back. Uh, Lily's looking good. She's our youngest. And uh, then finally, our closing picture. Uh, this was on Facebook. Oh, it's very exciting. Uh, great picture. Very thrilled to take this picture. But, but I have to be honest with you. As I'm looking at my face, I know exactly what I was thinking about when that picture was being taken. You see, about 45 minutes before that picture was taken, my family was on the road to Williamsburg from Virginia Beach. Uh, we had Christmas music playing. It was a little early, but uh, 101.3 was on, plays Christmas music all the time. We loved it. And, and uh, we're singing songs. It was like, a, an epi- or like the story of the Grinch, you know, da do re I mean, everybody's just happy. Children are sharing their toys and their cookies. It was wonderful. Babies changing their own diapers. It was amazing. So, uh, but we get, we get to Colonial Williamsburg. We notice that it's a little busy. We're not sure quite what's happening. No trouble there. We go to find a parking spot. And uh, Colonial Williamsburg, normally busy on the weekends, but we can usually find a spot. We, uh, we see a spot. We pull around the lot following the arrow like all of you do. If it says go like this, then you're going to go like that. And that's what we do, right? Because we're good people. And that's what we do. So I'm sitting in line waiting for a car to pull out. In the car, another car pulls out. I have my signal on. Everybody's smiling and singing in the the rearview mirror. And as I make my move, I turn to smile at Perrin, and we're both having a moment. Oh, this is great. We're going to have a wonderful picture. This woman, (laughs) she just happened to be a woman. That's really irrelevant. But she, she, as I will refer to her in a moment as Miss Angry 318I, pulls into my spot. Zip! 
like the movies, like the things that we say, nobody really does that, do they? Where they stare at you eye to eye and then they pull into your spot. Who really does that? Miss Angry 318, I did. I'll tell you right now. She pulled into my spot and Perrin and I were like, hold on, this is our moment. Press pause on the music. What's happening here? What's going on? And she says, Perrin's ready to take her seatbelt off, go out and get, tell this woman, this is, let me tell you, we were here to park. Let me pray for you. <laughs> and uh, let me lay hands on you if I could. And so I, I, I'm the no parent, please. Let's just hold on a moment. And, uh, and I'll just pull up to her and share with her that she probably didn't see our minivan that was there in the, in following the arrow with our turn signal on. It's okay, I'm sure it's a misunderstanding. She'll find another place. So I pull up, you know, just slowly, pull down my window and I said, hi, how you doing? <laughs> hey, funny story. We were just sitting back there with our turn signal on. Did you see us? And she said, uh, some words, <laughs> and uh, some words I can't repeat, and, and some gestures, and, and, then, uh, and then she said, no, this is my spot, and just started walking away, and I said, whoa, 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 maybe you didn't hear me, and, and, and after a moment, Perrin is really ready to get out of the car and to tell her, listen, we, this is our spot, and, and I've made parents sound like an absolute horrible person, but uh, she, was, she wanted this spot, and, and so finally, the woman walks away, and I said, it's okay, we'll find a spot. And we ended up finding a spot like three cars down, so it was really even better than before. We park, get out, and by that time, we, uh, the woman starts to walk out, starts to walk, and she looks at us, and she has a bottle of water, and she throws water on our car as she's walking by. And I just start laughing. <laughs> this is great. I'm going to tell this story on Sunday. I'm always got to chase the illustration. I found it. I couldn't believe that this was actually happening. So as I'm pushing our kids in the stroller, looking for this beautiful picturesque spot, knowing that we're going to get this wonderful Williamsburg photo, all I could think was about Miss Angry 318i who stole my spot, and that's what was on my mind right there. <laughs> now, the funny story is, is that we, we have moments like that, really, as parents or uh, just in general, as as people coming th going through the Christmas season, we have really two, two ideas of what Christmas is going to be like. We have these angelic moments, these moments where we're hoping and chasing after something that is just going to be like the storybook that's the stuff of a Hallmark special. And then we have the reality, like Michael talked about last week. Sometimes our Christmases are often messier than we would like. And the truth is, is that really when it comes to the story of faith, there are really two types of stories. They're similar to that, that desire for things to be perfect and, and somehow God reaches out of heaven and gives us the perfect experience that we're looking for. And then there are those times where we just have to search and it feels like we're grinding gears, going uphill. What is it going to take to get the experience, the answer, uh, the call that we're looking for? Well, interestingly enough, in the Christmas story, we find an illustration of both of those instances. The first, we remember perhaps from Luke chapter 2, the story of the shepherds, where shepherds are just hanging out watching their sheep. And lo and behold, an angel, maybe thousands of angels, appear in this bright sky and they surprise these shepherds. They take them totally by surprise and say, guess what, today is never going to be forgotten because today in the city of David, a child is born. You'll know that it's the child that we're talking about because you'll see him wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, just like Linus taught us. 
for so many years through the Charlie Brown story. This is one instance, but then there's another story. One that I relate to a little bit better. A a moment where it's not so angelic, not so perfect, a little messier, a little dirtier, a little bit more difficult. One that requires some gears to grind, to put one foot in front of another. That requires walking, that requires movement. That's the story that we find today, the story of the Magi. And so we move from Matthew chapter 1 from last week where we, where we saw the genealogies. We saw where, where the story of Jesus came from a messy group of people to today where we see on this wall an artist's rendering. A traditional view of, of the Magi. You might know them as the wise men. A story that really is about putting one foot in front of another. A story that takes a little work to get there. You see, Magi know that neutral doesn't get you anywhere. Well, what do we know about the Magi this morning? We know a few things. Uh, One, we know that uh, that they were pagan astrologers. We know that they were magicians and that they they clearly knew a great deal about the Hebrew scriptures. They had been studying these scriptures. But make no mistake about it, these were, uh, in, in the early church's eyes, these were the the most pagan, the most heathen of individuals. The Old Testament talked about the, the importance to avoid people who were astrologers, who were magicians. Do everything you can to avoid them. We know that there were probably more than three of them. Uh, we, why do we say there were three? Because there was gold, frankincense, and myrrh, three gifts. But we really have no idea. It could have been dozens. Probably there were families, probably lots of people involved. Uh, were there more than three gifts? We don't know that as well. But we know that these are the three that, that we're focused on. Uh, what else do we know? Uh, we know that, that they were pursuing a star. And most of the images that we have in our mind are this giant, bright star in the sky that just lit up everything and there was no avoiding it. But you know, as you really dig into this story, that's probably not how it was. You know, there are a lot of theories on the star of Bethlehem. A lot of theories about maybe it was a comet, maybe it was all the planets aligning, maybe it was uh, just a, a supernova or something that just, that just happened. But we really don't know if that's indeed what happened. That's all just speculation. But we know that Matthew found it important to mention a star. Why? Because the Old Testament said that there would be a star. Whether it was a literal star, whether it was a figurative star, we don't know this. But here's what I like about this story is that the Magi had to work to find Bethlehem. They had to work to follow the star in a sea of stars. They saw one star that looked just a little different. And they'd been tracking astronomy. They'd been following the stars. They may have even been praying to the stars and worshiping other gods. But they knew something was different in the sky that was drawing them. And they'd been studying the Hebrew Scriptures. And they knew that the Hebrew scriptures promised that one day the Hebrews would have a king that would come, that would save the world. And so what if, just what if all of this was right and what if this star was what was going to draw us to the king of kings and the Lord of lords? What if? And so let me tell you the story this morning of the Magi as it's found in Matthew chapter two. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, 
Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chiefs and priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. Now let's go back just for a moment. Interestingly enough, probably what happened is that, you know, a lot of us who have heard this story have grown up with the story of the wise men, the magi. We, we have this image of, of a star that's resting over a stable, our image of a stable that, that we've seen for so many years. But probably what happened is that this star was somewhere, wherever it was, it drew them towards the capital city. Because that's the likely place for a king to be born, isn't it? Where else would a king of the Jews be born but the capital city? And so they started on their quest, one foot after another, through the sand, night and day, just on a hunch, on a hunch that maybe this thing was real, and they finally made it to the capital city. And they went to the king, and they said, we've heard. Surely you've got to be looking too. You know the scriptures better than all of us. So you've got to know this, right? But no, somehow they were missing something. And so they went to the king, and the king started asking his people, well, uh, have you heard of this? We Certainly, we all know of the Messiah. Where is the Messiah to be born? And I find this so interesting, because they replied, for it is written, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. And so immediately we see this divide, this tension that Matthew is setting up. That even the least likely, the messiest of people, those who had been just entirely written off by society, we cannot, scriptures forbid us to relate with you, to interact with you. Somehow you're searching after this Messiah and we don't care about it. We know exactly where he's going to be born. You know more than we do. Maybe knowing isn't the answer. So in verse 7, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east and went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down to worship him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, of incense, of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. They returned to a country by another route because somehow God had intervened in their story and said, this Herod is bad news. Well, what do we know about Herod? We know that not only was he king at the time, but this, the older that he got, the crazier he got, had even taken the life of one of his wives. In fact, the scriptures or the stories uh, through the commentary say that even his favorite wife and two of his sons he was paranoid, he was nervous, and he already had probably schemed in his mind to somehow wipe out all of the young children, those who were under six months old. He had planned to do this. And so paranoid once again that these magi had come to search after this God, this king. 
and he didn't even know about it, he was ready to take care of business. Well, a couple other things I find interesting in this story. One where it says here that after they heard from the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. More than likely what happened, rather than this giant star that we picture in the sky and some of our, our Christmas Eve specials, probably what happened is that they had to ask. The shepherds at this time probably had shared the story of what had happened. And it says clearly in, in Luke chapter 2 that they, they told everyone about this story. They told everyone that they had heard or that they saw. And so chances are the Magi had heard rumor of this story as well. And so they asked, hey, have you heard of this baby, of this king? Have you heard of this? Where is there a, a baby being born? Have you heard? Until they finally got there. And imagine that moment. This group of magi, however many, whether there was three, 12, or 100, who had been searching, who had been poring over the Hebrew scriptures, that maybe, just maybe, there was truth to this story. When they saw this baby, imagine their response. And so they gave the best from what they had, gold and incense and myrrh, and all of those are symbolic in many of the stories of scripture of, of, a, of a kingly response of maybe even the response to Jesus' death and his embalmment. And so here they are, the story of the Magi. So what's really the point of Matthew's story? What's really the point? As I was even reading this story again last night, God, what's the point of this story? Is the point really just a, another great Christmas story? I don't think it is. I think that's part of it. But here's what I believe. I believe Matthew, who was writing to an early church, a group of people who were largely Jewish, who had come out of this tradition, who knew the scriptures, he was systematically and categorically establishing what was going to be important for Jesus' kingdom, that he had always been a part of our story. And that he didn't just come for the righteous, the educated, or for those from the right bloodline, but he came for the confused the broken, the searching, the wanderer, the ones who may have even been searching for the wrong things, but at least they were searching. At least their lives, their hearts, their souls were engaged. Neutral doesn't get you anywhere. And so as I read through this story, a few questions come to mind that I want to share to you, the real gifts of the Magi. Here are their questions this morning. Number one, as you think about this Christmas and as you think about this story in your life and where you are with God today, what signs are pointing you toward the story of Christmas this year? How has God been trying to get your attention? You see, it's not a matter of has he been. If, has he been trying? No, it, it's how has he been trying to get your attention because he has. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of how. And what is it about this year that God is pointing you towards? I was recently on a, a fall weekend with some high school kids and some of our leaders were talking about the stories of students. And if you ever want to really experience like real life change, boy, get around a bunch of high school kids, middle school students, because they just, 
they will show you what life change is all about. And they're so excited. And this one particular girl had shared a story about how she had an experience, a car accident, that, that really had just rattled her cage, just really just shook her into reality. And she said, even though she had been close to God before, she'd started to fall away, and this car accident, for whatever reason, had just got her attention. And so she was starting to think again about the things of God. Now, let me tell you this. I don't believe for a moment that God caused that car accident. I think there are a lot of instances and things that happen in our lives that God did not specifically cause to happen. But our response is equally important. This young girl, this high school senior was saying, all right, God, what is my life about? Maybe there's more to living than just going through life the way I've been going through life. God, maybe you have a story for me to live out. How is God? Over this past year, but specifically over this Christmas season, how has he been trying to get your attention? What signs are pointing you toward the story of Christmas? Number two, what voices of confusion do you need to ignore? See, the wise men had a choice, didn't they? Even after the dream, after the dream, after the Holy Spirit somehow came to them in a dream and said, go the opposite direction because Herod is bad news, they had a choice. They had a choice. They were people who had, had been far from God and, and their life had been about wealth and riches and knowledge and surely the king of the Jews had more to offer them. Rather, the king, at the time, King Herod had more to offer them than this little baby. But they chose to ignore a voice that was destructive in their life. So what are the destructive voices that you need to ignore? What are the voices that you need to let go of, that you need to say no to this Christmas season? What's confusing you? What's drawing you away from really hearing what it is that God wants to do in your life? Number three, where are you stuck in neutral? Waiting in the wings to play the role of shepherd when you've already won the role of magi. See, the funny thing is, when I was little, when I played in the Christmas play, the, the most desirable role was the wise men. You got to wear the coolest costume, the big shiny hat. You got to carry something cool in. Everybody got to see your face. No one wanted to play the role of a shepherd because you, got, you had to wear the same thing. You put something over your head. You carried a, a staff. And maybe your little brother or sister was dressed up like a sheep. And you had to make sure that they didn't you know, trip over you or something of that sort. No one wanted to play the role of the shepherd. But in our lives, we're chasing the role of a shepherd, aren't we? Just like me looking for that perfect picture, that perfect image. If, if everything could just be perfect the way I want it to, God, if you could just show up miraculously and give me the answer it is that I need right now to move forward, boy, life would be so much easier. And so we find ourselves stuck in neutral, waiting for some miraculous sign when God is saying, just put one foot in front of another. Just start walking. Just start moving towards me. Just start doing what you know. Start asking questions in community. Start taking classes. Start pouring into the scriptures. Start following me to a new level. Maybe I'll show up in a big sign. But even if I don't, you're going to find me. And I'm going to find you. Where are you stuck in neutral, waiting in the wings to play shepherd when you've already won? the role of magi. Finally, just like the wise men and the story who gave the best of everything that they had 
and they laid it at the feet of Jesus. What gift do you need to lay at the foot of the manger this Christmas season? What gift has God given you specifically that he's saying, I've given you this for a reason, not just for yourself, but for someone else, for my kingdom. Maybe it's a talent. Maybe it's a relationship. I don't know what it is, but what has God given you so that you could leverage that gift for the sake of those around you? What is it that is your gold, your frankincense, your myrrh? What is it? And then what are you going to do with it this Christmas? Are you going to hold on to it, hoping that maybe we'll see a giant sign in the sky and neon lights that'll say, if you do this, this is going to happen. But maybe God is saying, take a risk. Travel through the desert a little bit, but eventually you're going to find me. But lay your gifts at my feet. What gift do you need to lay at the foot of the manger this Christmas? So Travis Simone, who you're going to have the privilege of hearing next Sunday, uh, as he shares the story of Mary, he spoke on this uh, high school weekend, high school retreat uh, last, last weekend. And, and Travis and I are good friends and have been for, for many years. And one of the things that I love about my conversations with Travis is that we have a chance just to be honest with each other and talk about what life is like as fathers and husbands and as pastors. Uh, both have similar roles at uh, different churches. Uh, both love our senior pastors very much. I do. And Travis and I were talking about life and how it was starting to get a little difficult. And he was sharing a story with his senior pastor about his senior pastor, Bill Work, and uh, they were talking about how life was just getting difficult. And Travis was saying at one point, he said, yeah, but, but what about this? What about this? And Bill, Bill would say, well, you know what? Everything is just gonna work out in time and it's okay, just don't worry. Look at my life, everything worked out okay. And Travis finally said, yeah, but how am I gonna send my girls to college? Can you promise me that I'm gonna be able to do that? Can you promise me that I'm gonna be able to afford this? And when I asked Travis for his permission to tell this story, he said that Bill paused for a moment. And he just in a contemplative way said, Travis, Matthew 6.33. Travis said, okay, okay, Socrates. Tell me what is Matthew 6.33? Matthew 6.33, Travis. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all of these things, all the things that you are worrying about, all the things that you are allowing your mind to consume you with, uh, all of the things, the images, the, the neon signs that you're looking for, all of the answers that you're searching for, all of these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom. And so as I reflected on those words, as I was driving home last Sunday from this weekend, I thought to myself, how often I forget who I'm seeking, the God of Christmas, the God of this story, not just uh, the God of a wonderful season, but the God and the Lord of my life, the God who has promised and said over and over again, I told you I would provide, just start walking. I told you I would take care of your needs, start walking. I told you I would never leave you alone, start walking. I told you that your future was in my hands, start walking. I told you that I love Perrin, Luke, and Zoe, and Lily, more than you ever could love them. Just start walking. Just start walking. 
As you see at the end of the story, the end of this story in, in Matthew chapter 2, the Magi found what they were looking for. They found their king, a baby boy, God in flesh, and their lives were never the same. How did they find him? What was the secret? There was no secret. They just started walking. And it may not happen the way you want it to. It, the, it may not happen like a shepherd on a, on, a, on a hill in the middle of a dark and starry night, but it will happen. It's a promise. But you've got to get your faith and your life in gear. In five chapters forward from Matthew chapter 2, Jesus says this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. And that, my friends, is a promise. That's a promise from the very heart of God himself. Neutral doesn't get you anywhere. And so they packed up their camels. And on a hunch, on a hunch, they followed day and night this star through the sand Confused a little bit, but hoping, just hoping that maybe, maybe all of the hype and all of the history about this Emmanuel would come true on one night. They followed him day and night on a hunch. Maybe, just maybe it would be true. Little did they know that the star they were following was far more than some freak astrological or astronomical occurrence. But he was indeed the light of the world. He was the light that would change everything. He was and is Jesus Christ. My friends, neutral doesn't get you anywhere. Don't wait for a shepherd moment. Don't wait for, for those moments. And if it happens, great. But until then, just put one foot in front of another. This Christmas, be a Magi. Start walking. Let's pray. Gracious God, I want shepherd moments <laughs> in my life. I want to feel and know without a, beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are there, that you are real, real, and that you're telling me this is the next step. Adam, do this. Thus saith the Lord. But for whatever reason, God, in my life, it just doesn't seem like that's what you do so often. It's happened. But God, I'm reminded in this story, and I pray that my friends here in this room are reminded as well this Christmas that the answers that they are seeking are there. And instead of waiting for a sign, instead of waiting for this miraculous moment to happen, maybe, just maybe, they would take a lesson from the playbook of the Magi and follow a star so far away that would ultimately lead them to the Savior of the world, to the solution for life, to the hope that they've been longing for. God, would you make that clear this Christmas more than any other? We pray these things in the name of Jesus the very essence and nature of this season. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas.